Hello. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dr. Scoff and the Prof. As is custom, we have to review the name of this entire podcast before we get started. Uh, as long-standing listeners will know, I don't like the name Dr. Scoff and the Prof. Uh, have you any alternative suggestions this week, Clay? I do actually, yeah. I've written a, I've written a couple down. Um, some of which this week I am pretty chuffed with. Um, the first one, The Feasty Boys. The Feasty Boys. The Feasty Boys. A play on 80s rap outfit, The Beastie Boys, yeah. I presume. Yeah, but, yeah. D- you know, just changing it to Feast, I think that's brilliant. Okay, other... other Game of Scones. Game of Scones. Scones, sorry. Scones. Scones. Say. Game of Scones. Well, then that doesn't work if it's no. Scones, Scones. Yeah, Game of Scott Scones. And people might presume that we're scones. restricting our food-based discussion, which is what this podcast is, yes, yeah. to just Scones. Okay, yeah, maybe. Nothing wrong with Scones. no. You got any others? <laughs> I had uh, it takes two to mango. It takes two to mango. Yeah, I think that's rather good. You think that's rather good? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, considering we're talking about puns and food puns, yeah. I think they're pretty good. It's better than some of your previous efforts. No, la- the lamb shank redemption still sticks out for me. That's that yeah, also. yeah. I think. I mean, I think again, we'll just have to stick with the wildly imperfect Doctor Scott and the <laughs> yeah. Prof. It's quite a special episode. Uh, this one. They're because, all special. Well, they're all special, but this. Yeah. Is the first one we're recording uh, on site at Liverpool Hope University. Yeah. As you know, we both lecture here. Yeah, you're an associate professor of history. Yeah. I'm a doctor of marketing. He didn't introduce himself. It's very rude like that. Very rude. Yeah, so this is Bryce and I'm Clay. And Clay Bryce yeah. and Clay. So we're sitting in a very uh, hot and sweaty office. My fortress of solitude. Yes, in Liverpool Hope University. Yeah. And uh, it's really the first time as well that we haven't recorded this podcast. It, it's we should be honest about this without yeah. alcohol. Uh, we we have no wine imbibed well, today. We don't have any. Well, I have a bottle of wine in here. Okay, fair. but we're not going to drink it. We wouldn't yeah. be drinking at work. No. And 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 no. And I yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that I've got alcohol in my office. I guess, no, no. It was a present. It was a present. Yeah. Anyway, on to the theme yeah, of sorry, this week. Yeah, the theme yeah. of this week's uh, podcast, Doctor Scoff and the Prof is social eating. Yes. Yeah, we um, we did something a while back on this. We did. Uh, you wrote me into it, and we went off to... Uh, we, did, we did something in Liverpool, and we did something in Nottingham. Yeah. Like we've mentioned before we're in the paper. This is the reason yeah. why we were in the paper. Well, this is... We should explain, I suppose, first of all, social eating. Really, I think, at its in its most simplest terms, is people coming together, sitting, breaking bread, eating together. Yeah. And I think there's been studies hasn't there in terms of yeah. how that is good in terms of a lot of things community cohesion uh, combating social dislocation mental health yeah. uh, mental health loneliness issues, loneliness yeah. which is a big thing in today's society is, yeah. weren't you looking at a study that had just come out from yeah there Oxford? was something from Oxford and it, it basically echoed exactly what you're saying just saying that um, you know people who, who had who socially ate or met others or ate with friends were happier yeah. In essence, I mean, if you go far enough back, you know, we we used to sit around a focal point, yeah, um, which now is a television or a device, yeah. but we used to eat together, yeah, and um, I think it, it releases, you know, all the good chemicals yeah. in your brain, keeps you happy, yeah, and, and as we've discussed today, it doesn't have to be eating socially with the family unit, it can be no. eating with strangers, it can be sort of public dining, which is the thing we might explore today. Whereas, yeah. I think a lot of studies have shown that increasingly people today eating alone. Perhaps yeah. just sitting, you know, playing Fortnite or whatever the youngsters do now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just, you know, well, actually, there's some counter stuff to that saying that because of devices and tablets, people are sitting 
sitting, not necessarily eating, but sitting in the same room together. Whereas before we would go to our bedrooms, my generation, your generation, we'd go to our bedrooms and watch television. Did you eat in your bed? I'd never eat my No, no, not eating, but we'd go and watch television and do our the other things, the entertainment side of our lives. But now with uh, tablets and devices, people are coming back yeah. into the same room together. Maybe not eating yeah. together, but there is that sort of weird yeah, yeah, yeah. to it as well. Okay, well, I suppose that leads on to what you alluded to there, which was last year, I got a bit of uh, funding, and I should acknowledge the funders yeah, actually from the uh, Arts and Humanities Research Council, to recreate um, social eating schemes witnessed 100 years ago in the First World War. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit of history, which we always do on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's the First World War, uh, Britain then as now, dependent on imported food supplies. There's obviously a war going on, ship supplies are sunk, so the government undertakes to feed people en masse in these big communal feeding centres. And it had never been done before, had it? Not on that scale, and not financed by a central government before. Mm. So this is a really important juncture, really, in British history, in terms of essentially war socialism. It's the government really getting involved in the issue of food, food poverty, trying to get people to eat nutritionally, trying, in the context of the war, to ensure people don't starve to death. And, of course, starvation has always been a weapon of war. Indeed, it's one that Britain uses very effectively in the First World War yeah. to, to effectively starve the German home front. So they set up these huge social eating schemes called patriotically branded national kitchens. Yeah. And the whole idea behind it was that it wouldn't be just some dingy Soviet-style centre where you'd go and get your food. There would be attractive places to eat. So the government insisted that if they were conceived of at a local level they had to be good decoration gramophones sometimes pianos tablecloths it had to be reasonably priced it also had to be quite nutritious but it wasn't completely dominated by bean-based dishes um the ministry of food gets in a lot of celebrity chefs of the day including a really interesting guy called eustace miles okay and he's quite interesting because he's one of the first of celebrity vegetarians in the Edwardian period in the First World War, uh, vegetarians are really regarded as, as some people regard them today, with prejudice, as you know, sandal-wearing and wrong-headed. Sure. Okay. But this guy was also a man of action. He was the three times uh, world uh, real tennis champion. He was into hiking real and tennis. outdoors. Yeah, and outdoors pursuits. Okay. He's also one of the first people to invent energy bars. Really? Like we have today, right, based on nuts. Yeah. Mm. So he's quite an outdoorsy, famous... Celeb chef lifestyle guru. And where were these? Were they all over the country or just in London? He had or? a big, big restaurant in Charing Cross in London. Okay. This guy used to smile. But these social eating venues as well, they were... Well, he's recruited by the government because he designs really the menu okay. and, and he really tries to get people to eat more vegetables. If you think of the typical British diet back then, it's very meaty, it's very heavy. Yeah. And that ties into concepts of masculinity and all the rest. Okay. He's a perfect guy because he's quite a macho type, but he's a vegetarian. So he's really one of the pioneers of getting people to try and eat more vegetables. But yeah, you're right. These existed up and down the country. Yeah. Over a thousand of them at their height. Mainly in cities? Most in cities, okay. yeah. yeah. Some in towns and villages. Um, but we recreated these last year. We did, yeah. We did. It was uh, we, we did one in Liverpool, didn't we? Um, you did a couple of others as well, but the ones I was involved with. Yeah, we, we did, did one in Liverpool at Constellations. Yeah. And um, how many people came in the end? Oh, well over a hundred <clears throat> Well, over and you're on the you're on BBC News. BBC we were on BBC News. A lot of media coverage. We did them yeah. in Nottingham, Manchester, uh, Carlisle, Carlisle up up near up and, and up on the Scottish border as well. So all over the country, uh, and we 
got people, young, old, yeah, cross mix, class, cross it, community, yeah. cross age groups, in to eat together. We based a menu on the menu from the time. Yeah. Uh, we tried to recreate the experience as closely as possible, and we worked with people who were working in this field, like Marsha Smith in yeah. Nottingham, who's yeah. really a, a great uh, advocate of social eating. And uh, the one we did in Nottingham was was good crack, wasn't it? We, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I looked after the floor. Um, and um, you swept it, didn't you? Swept it, yeah. Put bunting up. Oh, you were the uh, floor. You were the floor manager. Floor you? manager, yeah. yeah. And we we had a lovely team of people helping us, and uh, yeah. it was it was it was a strange atmosphere, as strange as in a good way. Yeah. Uh, people were with music to each other, yeah. With music, it was dancing. Entertainment. It was kind of like I guess a way to describe it for me was it was kind of like a wagamama in the way that there were trestle tables yeah. where people were sitting next to each other and eating together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't that they were in their own silos, their own sort of yeah, groups. Yeah. I guess it's kind of akin to um, you know the German style of drinking with the big long trestle yes. tables. Yeah. It was this, that kind of, uh, and that was the, the pictures you had up at the time. We were showing that as well. That that that's what that's how people were eating. What it looked like, yeah. big you know yeah. big long tables eating. Yeah, and the feedback we got, people loved it, was, it because yeah. they said you know we came together, ate with people I wouldn't normally have eaten with. Yeah. Had a good time, had a bit of a sing song, yeah, and yeah. Um, really good fun. I did. I bored them all with a mini lecture first of all. Did yeah. Before you get your dinner, I'm well, just very, I'm very good at bore that, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was great fun. We recreated them, and uh, I've actually continued uh, this vein of talking about national kitchens yeah. recently because um, I've been talking to the Women's Institute, the WI. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna confess here. Yeah. Um, I was asked to talk to WI, and I'll be honest, my opinion of the WI, uh, the Women's Institute for our foreign listeners, probably known to British listeners, I'm sure, um, associated with a, I suppose you'd say sort of upper class, upper middle class. Historically. Historically female. um, I had the naive assumption that it would be a bunch of colonel's wives. Oh, right. It wasn't. That was my prejudice there. Okay. And it wasn't. It was great fun. Yeah. Um, they're a tough crowd in the sense that there's a lot of intelligent questions at the Good. end. But I'm on the road now doing talking to women's institutes oh, about really? food, about social eating, and about the national kitchens of the First World War. Which is um, and which is great because WI actually, like a lot of other organisations, does a lot around social eating to combat loneliness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that was really good fun. But you've as well, you know, looked at sort of the history of dining out. Um, eating social uh, yeah more, more social dining I guess mm. um, so what's what's the distinction there well I guess social dining is when you go out with your your group of group of friends I guess or go out with a select few people and eat together in say a restaurant etc yeah um, I've got a good book um, I'm going to talk about a bit later on should we do book corner now or do you um, want to save it till no, the we'll end save, we'll save that gem for later you know I love book corner <laughs> you love it a little bit too much but um, what are we going to eat later well, this is quite uh, it's quite the question. We build up anticipation now yeah. and ready our taste buds and the rest now because uh, I was talking about National Kitchens to the Women's Institute. Yeah. And, of course, one of the things that the Women's Institute is famous for yeah. is jam. Yeah, well, like, yeah. Jam well, and cakes. This is what I guessed, yeah, okay. Um, but it's not just as the bag that they gave me, as the henna bag they gave me to yeah. commemorate my talk said, not just jam and Jerusalem. Okay. Jerusalem, of course, is the anthem of not the... Not the artichoke. Of the, no, no, it's okay. the WI um, uh, anthem. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, the, the, the great poem by Blake, uh, music by Parry. Yeah. 
But it's not just jam in Jerusalem. Having said that, I got a tub of jam. I knew this would happen. Black currant jam. Black currant jam. And you can see I'm, I mean, holding it up to you. You've had there. some already. I've had, I've had it. I couldn't resist. Lovely on crumpet. Yeah. Well, I knew you'd get jam, and I thought, bearing in mind, what did we eat last, last week? We had tin cherries, was it? No, well, hang cream. on a second there. Hang on so a second. anyway, anyway, I can, tin I can, I can, I can see sorry, a pattern. Just got to correct you there. It was a cherries jubilee. Sure, sure. But it was, uh, yeah. Well, well, I knew something like this was going to happen. You're I've, implying that I'm just all my food offerings are just preserves. They tend to be, yeah. I mean, again, I've I cooked. I've cooked one thing, I guess, and this week I've brought um, on the a, jam thing. On a jam. Well, I knew you get jam, so I got jam a a, a naga chili jam. Yeah, well, actually, naga chili jelly, I guess, but it's um, it's in the top ten hottest chilies in the world. So we'll, we'll I'm s- a bit worried about this because I, as you know, I'm not a fan of ridiculous macho. Spicy eating contest. Well, that might have influenced my choice. Right, so you've just set me up for a fall here because I'm looking at this now. This well, is I've a, eaten it before. It's so. a chili jelly. It's it 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 says flame and hot. It has a skull on it, which I always think uh, should never be on 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 food labels. No, that's human skull. Generally, not a good. So usually uh, you With see that on, on uh, you know uh, bleach and things like that. Don't you skull? But well, 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 I tell you what. Well, we need to get these. Sorted, don't we? So uh, we'll we come do. back in a sec and we'll, uh, we'll try both jams and uh, see what you think. Yep, let's yeah. do that. Right, so we come to the section of the podcast where we try the food sauce from this week. So I have this beautiful blackcurrant jam. Uh, dated May 2018, a lovely floral decoration. Yeah. It was made uh, by Sue. Sue? Of Prestwich, Manchester, oh, WI. Yeah? And it's That's delicious. Good. Are you going to try a bit? I am, yeah. I'm going to dip in with a long spoon here. Mmm. That's really good. Really nice, isn't it? Mmm. So, black fruit jam. So, this is my reward from talking about social eating in the First World War with the ladies of the Women's Institute in, uh, in Manchester. Mm. So from that, I mean, it's very nice. Really nice, lovely jam. Mm. We're now going on to your devil's brew. Yeah, um, this is by a company, Chili's Galore, Naga Chili Jelly. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried a Naga Chili. Have you had a Naga Chili before? Uh, to reiterate, it's, I'm, I'm not a big fan of spice. It was it was the hottest chili in the world in 2006. So how how does it get old. knocked off its perch? Because uh, they make much much spicier ones. They crossbreed them and they and they cross pollinate them. Who does that? Some evil chili farmers. They love it. It's just, there's big there's big fascination with chili. Just to inflict misery. There's on. chili festivals. A chili festival in Liverpool soon. Shall I dig in? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, more, yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, before I can, yeah. Before before you really struggle, I noticed that you're taking a very very small. That's not that small. Sample. Of That's not that small. Whatever this is, enough. you you know. I thought this was it. You, so you couldn't like spread this on your toast. You'd die. Well, you find out when you eat it. Okay, Look, I've got okay. quite a bit there. I'm only going to take a tiny. No, 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 no. Hang on. Go on then. Okay, you put some more on there. Come on. Okay. There you go. Okay, okay go on then. Hmm. Nice size, isn't it? That's really unpleasant. <laughs> I'm rapidly trying to get rid of the rest of it. Lick the spoon at least. Come on. Oh, what's wrong? It's terrible. It's delicious. Very very hot. It's about um, it's about about a million Scoville. Okay. Scoville is that named after Philip Scoville? Not Scofield. Scoville. Whew. 
Can you speak? Wilbur, Wilbur's, he, 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 it's the amount of dilution you need. It's, it's teaspoons of sugar water yeah. to basically, until you can't taste it. So this is about a million. Just to put that into context, a jalapeno is around three to six thousand. Yeah, it's quite unpleasant. Okay, so it's, it's, it's extremely, extremely hot. But this was um, a Dorset naga, and it's, um, yeah, it was grown in Dorset. And it's it was sort of the the the, the fast start of the fascination around really really hot chilies. Uh, Tesco's at the moment um have, have got mm. some um, really hot chilies. Someone nearly died eating a ghost habanero. Which I'm is not surprised. Top, I mean, we've got some, some beautiful provincial jam here to this disgusting. Uh, well, I won't say disgusting, but it's quite hazardous. You didn't really eat that much. I'm gonna have this little bit here. Yeah, it's. I mean, the thing is, it's one of those that it just um, it really really gets you. I mean, it's. I remember uh, we when I was when when I was working in um, in hospitality we we made a, a really spicy sauce for a competition yeah. and uh, the chef we worked with um, got naga chilies in yeah and I remember uh, giving them to friends and and uh, colleagues I worked with yeah. and one of my friends like you couldn't couldn't take them and I, I said to him he had to try you know. Yeah, you, know, you need these experiences in in his life, and he yeah. was really struggling. I mean, yeah. he was in a terrible way. So I told him that biscuits be the best way to to get rid of it. Yes, there's something in that you shouldn't take water. Right? You shouldn't take water. No, it just moves it around. Yeah. Which I know you've just done. That's probably why you've just yeah, said it's it. Not helping. So um, I gave him these biscuits and told him it would be you know a respite for him, and uh, he was just screaming that it was getting worse and worse. Yeah. That's because I rubbed them. Yes, to be hospitalised. No, not not quite. But he had his. He he was stuck in a room for about an hour and a half yeah. underneath the air conditioning. It's not that I, I can't take chili. I just I rather I like a bit of spice in my food, but I rather taste my food. Well, and I don't. The, the, I mean, what what's the point of making yourself feel uncomfortable to validate your? Sense well, of it's addictive. I think it's addictive. Really, the, the spice. I think there's research around it being quite an addictive thing. A bit like sour. Have you ever given? Well, let's say this. If you ever give a, if you ever give a baby uh, some lime or lemon, they bite into it, and <laughs> yeah. they pull the face. We all do, yeah. and then they go back for it again. You think yeah. about Tangtastics, the the Haribo sweets. Yeah, for yeah, instance. Yeah. Same thing. We go back for it. We want yeah. more. It's addictive. Spices. Should addictive. say that you shouldn't be feeding this kind of chili jam to babies. Oh no, you'd you'd be arrested. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's, quite rightly. That, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. So what did you think about that? Uh, very, would very you, spicy. Would you have it again? Uh, I would actually in would in very moderate amounts. Very moderate. <laughs> what would amount. you have it with? Well, maybe as well as an accompaniment to Indian food. Do you think? Mm, I'd say maybe maybe some maybe with poppadoms. I'd say maybe with some uh, some meat, maybe like a charcuterie, perhaps like a board. I can see that cheese, yeah. maybe it certainly spice up your meat. Yeah, your life. Yeah, I was thinking Spice Girls once coined the phrase. This is more poppadoms territory for me. You think so? Yeah. Well, I mean, you it's can say sweet. It is, as it well. It's a jam, isn't it? So there's yeah. lots of sugar in it. Well, it's um. Yeah. Well, I'll let you take it home. You can have that if you want. No, you're, you're grand. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Well, listen. Um, I think you need some more water. I'm just going to writhe on the floor now. <laughs> I'm going to go and uh, yeah, give this to someone else. I think and okay. uh, just pass pass, pay it forward. Really, yeah. yeah good luck well, with that. Yeah. All right, we'll be back in a minute. We're just going to sort price out. Okay, we're back, and uh, I've nursed Bryce back to, to full health. What do you, uh, is that something you're going to... I can still taste the chilies galore. Yeah, it's, um, it was quite um, fierce, isn't it? It's like yeah. being stabbed in the face with a white-hot knife. 
Yeah, it's quite, it's un- quite unpleasant. S- it was, yeah. Really? I think we were masking how, how unpleasantly hot it actually was. I wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, um, this is our your favourite part of the show. Yes, Books Corner. This is the whole reason, really, we, we, we have this podcast, is so you can talk about books. We've still got the academic bit at the end, don't we? You know, the other bits, just it's, it's like the, uh, you know, it's the, it's the bit you put up with until you get to, the, to your favourite bit. Yeah, that was a terrible uh, sort of analogy there. You, yeah. you squeezed in a food analogy. I could have done, yeah. Like the entree. I'm out, I'm out. I, okay. I, I did all them at the beginning. All my okay. puns are gone. Uh, so um, I wanted to talk about po- probably really one of my one of my favourite favorite books, uh, which is by uh, Burnett, John Burnett, uh, England Eats Out. Mm. Um, I think I've lent it to you now, in fact. Um, you mm-hmm. seem to be a big fan of it too. But it's, it's, good, it's yeah. a full history, almost a full history of, of eating out in Britain. In and England. I, well, in England, sorry, yeah, not Britain. Mm. I should, well, Wales, it talks about Wales a little bit, but mainly, mainly England. Mm. Um, and the reason why I wanted to talk about this book is it, 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 it touches on uh, some of the social dining we were talking about. Mm. And uh, I wanted to talk about restaurants. Mm. Now, Burnett talks about the whole history of the restaurant, but... Uh, do you know where restaurants originated from? Sort of the idea of them from France. Well, from yeah, yeah. Parisian post-revolution. But before the actual restaurant itself, the concept of a restaurant it used to be a place where people used to go and have restorative broths, mm. and uh, these restorative broths uh, didn't actually have any food in them, which was probably the weirdest thing about them. They used to have um, gems and gold, mm. and they used to put uh, hot water and different types of things into this. Um, uh, mixture of metals and, and, and diamonds etc and at that time they believed that the the because they were so special and mm. so um, uh, revered mm. that they had certain qualities or they they believed that there were certain qualities that when you put mm. hot water with them it, it was restorative mm-hmm. uh, so people used to eat this and then suddenly from that it kind of no one really can pin down where but it, it sort of morphed into the idea of a restaurant people went and had a menu mm. with real food mm. And one of the one of the greats, and we will, I'm sure we'll come back to restaurants at some point. But one of the greats was uh, Escoffier, and um, who we mentioned last week. We did, uh, yeah. Well, it's the, the Victorian Master Chef. It was the you mentioned about the bomb, the bomb narrow, yeah, the ice cream bomb. The, one of his many creations. One of his many, yeah. Peach Melba being another one, mm. and uh, Melba Toast mm-hmm. being another one. Um, but the reason I, I, I specifically like Escoffier over other chefs is he was one of the first to, to sort of um, invent the brigade system so before that um, chefs used to cook uh, and I come from a, a background in hospitality I don't think I've mentioned it too much but um, the whole brigade system we see now is the same one that he invented so mm. beforehand one chef would cook all the elements in terms of the division of labour yeah kitchen. yeah division of labour yeah. and uh, it was around sort of the uh, world war one mm-hmm. um, he sort of started doing these types of things um, he also um, did some amazing stuff around. Um, what else did he do? Uh, cookbooks. Yeah. Some of the some of the most famous cookbooks. He he, yeah. he cooked for some of the most famous people at the time. So Burnett mentions Escoffier. Burnett Burnett talks about Escoffier um, amongst others. Actually, I must say there are a lot of other. Karen yeah. is another one for uh, sort of pre Escoffier, mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. goes all the way up to to um, the uh, modern day. Mm. Um, um, talks about lions cafes and the yeah. penny penny girls. With again, that relates to social eating. These very cheap, yeah. big, big dining spaces, right? Yeah, 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 private yeah. rather than public. Private, yeah, 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 yeah. Cheap. You get your you know your tea and cake. That's it. Um, and they and they historically turn into wimpies. Would you believe? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they're in actually interesting. They're in competition with national kitchens in the First really? World War. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've got Burnett's. If yeah. people want to read up about National Kitchens, I'm going to shamelessly plump my plump. research. <laughs> plump it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if they just Google Bryce Evans National Kitchens. Yeah. On my blog, there's a, there's a full article there for free. Uh, and it, and there's a few references in there to their reincarnation in the Second World War. Yeah. As British restaurants. Oh, right. Ministry of Food originally wanted to call them communal feeding centres. But too much like communism, is it? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Prime Minister at the time, Winston Churchill, that sounds, and he said, quite, sounds too much like communism in the workhouse. And he was probably right, actually. Yeah. Because you, you, I think you've done some research on this, haven't you? When you're eating out, whether it's public eating, social sure, eating, sure. or private dining, it's that element of surprise and expectation. There is, yeah, yeah. Um, there's, I mean, we'll probably talk about this in a lot more detail another time. But yeah, there's this when we're delighted. There's a lot yeah. of literature around when you when you have those strong feeling, positive feelings towards something. Yeah. That there's a stronger memory. I feel the exact opposite towards the chilies galore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it creates focus, doesn't it? Oh, uh, certainly. Surprise creates focus, which uh, which um, gives us that you won't forget eating that. Oh, certainly not. No, no, no. Well, I think that's about it for this week. We're trying to keep it a bit shorter, aren't we? Now, because um, yeah, people have said that uh, maybe thirty-five minutes is yeah, a little bit. Tend to ramble a little. We bit, do, so. yeah. Well, less wine this time, so that's probably <laughs> <It's> probably <laughs> why. Probably perhaps our diction is even a little clearer. It perhaps is. Yeah, perhaps your your. As always, if people have feedback on that, do we yeah. sound better now or post three bottles of wine? <laughs> well, three, so, three answers three. on a postcard. <laughs> yeah, answers on corks. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening to uh, it takes two to mango. Cheers. Bye.